Hello and welcome to the Hapori podcast, the show for and about doers. I'm Rob Solly. On today's show, I'm joined by Amy Williams, MBE. With everything, the biggest thing is listen to your body. You know what feels good. You know when you could push it a little bit more and you're just cheating on yourself. Amy is a gold-winning Olympic skeleton racer. She's also a TV presenter and, more importantly, an ambassador of Hapori Coach. But first, let's answer some of your questions you've been sending in using the hashtag AskHaporiHelp. Hello, Mike. How the devil are you? Rob, I'm good. How are you? I'm surviving, thank you. Are you all settled into your new digs yet? Um, well, we're in my new digs right now. You know, very, I, very palatial surroundings I you have. I try, I try my best. Um, I'm, as you can see, I'm really, really not settled. There's just bits and bobs everywhere. And all I've done is point out what I'm going to do. Don't know how I'm going to do it yet, Mike, but I am. This is, a, this is a podcast about doers. I'm a doer. I'm going to get this done. Well, you've got your goal, so let's get it done. Exactly. So we've got some questions today. We do. First question comes from Ian. Uh, oh, yeah, this is probably very relevant to you, Rob. Uh, it's all about money and the need for it. Uh, he says, I want to raise my fees. What's the best way of doing that? Because that's going to be a tricky, it tricky is. conversation. Yeah, so that, I like this question because it is really awkward. You build up this relationship with a client and then you've got to turn it around and sort of say, actually, I want more money for this. Mm. So how do we do this? And this is what I would advise. Obviously, we should have their email, their text. I think email is best for this. But a good time before. So let's just say we're going to raise our fees on January the 1st. Beginning of December, maybe the end of November. You send an email to the clients that you're going to raise the fees off, maybe perhaps it's across the board, and you say, hi, I, you know, hi, hi Dan, hi Gemma, I love training with you. Thank you for letting me be your trainer. I love how it's going. These are the goals we've been setting and we're chasing these. Um, in January the 1st, I'm going to be raising my prices. And I'm telling you why, you know, because we're communicating early. And I'm, I'm saying I've invested in... And list what you've done last year. Have you been on courses? Have you bought new equipment? You know, list what you've done within the job. Don't list you're buying a Ferrari or, you know, like you got a loan on something, you know, a holiday. But tell them what you've done and justify why you're raising the prices. So, for example, I'm going to use myself here. It's something I'm going through presently. I haven't raised my prices in five years, Mike. Wow. Right. It's biting me on the bum but you know such as these loyalty the relationships but it's time for change you know I've got a lot of people shouting at me I'm here talking to you but I also have people talk to me so so they're telling me it's time and so I'm justifying it by saying hey I've spent this much on this I've spent this much on updating my knowledge I've bought this I, I really have sort of just you know it isn't a long email but justify while you're raising it doing it advance and then you know, you put it out there to the ether. You're being professional. You're giving them enough time. You're not just putting it on them. So, you know, the person can adjust, get over it, and you're justifying it. And if they push back or just say, well, forget about it or... Well, that depends on your own self. That depends on your line. But if my price is my price, then I'm really sorry. I love having your client. You know, you're my priority and stuff like that. But my fee is... You know, if you go into a shop and the price of whatever, the price of your chocolate bar has gone up, mm. you can't suddenly say, hey, you've either got to pay the price of that chocolate bar 
or move on. Perhaps that's the kind of analogy you evoke mentally in terms of don't, don't give it to your client. That's a good analogy. So if you, were, you had a shop and people were coming and you had loyal customers coming back every week and then you had to put up your prices for whatever reason, improvement of quality or supply chain issues, whatever that, and they came in, you said, hey, your prices have gotten up. So you'd explain why. Well, I had to improve things or that's the cost of things now and give them the opportunity that you can go next door if you want, or you can keep coming back here because you've been here this long, so you, you value it. Yeah, so. the relationship, the, the training. And it could be that you, perhaps we could reframe this and say to them, okay, say this person has a 10 a.m. slot on a Monday, what I would consider a prime slot. You say, okay, I can still tr carry on training you at such and such price, but I'm going to move you to seven o'clock on a Thursday, you know, mm. like, mm. you know, and say, these unfortunately are my prime times now, I've got people willing to pay this much money and that's during these times. So I don't want to lose you a client, so perhaps I'm offering you something else. Perhaps that could be an idea. Offer an alternative, that's always yeah. a good way around it, good. Second question comes from uh, Janet and she says, how do you prep your sessions? Personally, all oh, right, I, I, I do prep my sessions, you know, like oh. it comes back to, making sure I'm there at a decent time before my client. If I'm not, I am sweating, because I always need a wee. Mm. You know, it's not glamorous to turn up and go, hi, I'm just gonna pop to the loo. So I really try to take that seriously. There will always be times when it does go wrong, but it's making sure that's few and far between. So I like everything set up. I wanna map out, say I'm going to a gym, I wanna map it out. If I'm, if I'm doing something, uh, here, so I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully building my own gym, you know, are my towels ready? Like little towel, just things like that for the session. Welcome. Do you know how you love it when you go to a hotel and you open the hotel room and there's just something personal in the room? Mm -hmm. They might have left a chocolate, a note, uh, a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. That's you and your sessions. And this is how I talk about upping the game, raising and really try and make that person feel special. And I take a lot of reads. I've said this, I think, on another question we've done earlier. I try a lot of reads. I have a few set questions that should, I think that they feel a little tired. I, I, you know, I'm asking them how they're feeling, how they, and then I might just go, okay, I'll plan A's out the window. And that's why I've said to you before, write your training sessions in pencil, mm -hmm. Joe DeFranco. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because I might need a little bit of flexibility because as that person's coming in, they're bringing in what's happened to them the last week. Yeah. I am going to ask a certain amount to leave it at the door, but there is always carryover. So, you know, like being, you know, just keeping in pencil, being well prepped. You know, I always have my bands ready to go. The people know that, oh, we're going to start on the bands today, you know, the, the yeah. little bands. So it's clear signaling. And, you know, just, hey, how are you? And be as friendly and as welcome as you can be. Remember, it's that hotel. What do you want to feel like? Well rested, I think. Well, good questions. And so, Rob, if people have questions in the future, how are they going to get in touch? They're going to hashtag Ask Hapori Help Mike or send us something at, at Hapori Coach on Instagram. And coming up on the Hapori podcast today, we are joined by Amy Williams. This podcast was brought to you by the Hapori Coach app. If you're a personal trainer, then you know that time is money. That's why the Hapori Coach app was created, to help coaches manage their businesses better and to support growth and longevity. The platform makes it easy to onboard and train clients, manage your sessions, keep track of finances and take automated digital payments. Plus, 
Your clients will love it as they get their own app to accompany their training with you, tools to track their progress, and an easy, seamless way to help them manage their bookings. So if you're looking for a way to take your personal training business to the next level, then Hapori Coach is the perfect solution. Check them out at www.hapori.com and enter promo code PODCAST50 to get a 30-day free trial, 50% off your first year and 10 completely free professionally designed health and fitness ebooks to send out to clients and prospects. That's some serious value there. So go get over to hapori.com today. Today, I'm joined by Amy Williams, MBE. Is That sounds very formal. Does everyone say that when you go into a room? Here's an MBE. <laughs> it does sound really formal, doesn't it? Um, no, and to be fair, I forget most of the time. It's when you go to like some posh dinner and then you've got your name card in front of you saying MBE. And now people put the um, O-L-Y because the Olympians can now put their three letters after their name as well. <laughs> Oh my God! It's gonna—it's like a sentence after your name. <laughs> I didn't—I didn't know that. That's a—that's a—that's a nice thing. That's a nice thing to know. Speaking of which, you being an Olympian, so obviously we're gonna just establish you have a gold medal, and I think a gold medal is a pretty cool thing to have. So and you're in a pretty exclusive club. Uh, does it give you an edge in sense of confidence, perhaps? Sometimes you're out at one of those posh dinner dudes you just mentioned and someone's giving it the big I am, they're bragging a little bit and you're like, doesn't matter, whatever you say, mate, I've got a gold medal. <laughs> uh, no, I've never really thought about it like that. Um, I think it's, I mean, I oh, was never That's the clearly most how I think because I think I would. <laughs> I mean, I was never the most confident athlete, actually. And so, yeah, I mean, the gold medal definitely makes me think, you know what, I nailed it on that day. You know, I was the very best in the world. And I think now when I'm like a, a mum to two kids and you don't feel the best and you, you're you not in the best shape or you don't feel good about yourself one day, you're like, doesn't matter because on that day and in that moment, in those years, I was, you know, I was a great athlete. And it's a good little like reminder for those you know, the days that you're feeling a bit rubbish. <laughs> yeah, and feeling rather than looking, you look great, by the way. And I'm sure, you know, obviously I, I check out your Instagram and uh, you, <laughs> you've still got the moves. You, you, oh, you and Jagger, you've still got the moves. I try. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, um, well, having two young boys definitely keeps you fit. You have to be fit just to be a mom, like full stop. <laughs> you mentioned that you didn't have an amazing amount of confidence. But in like doing the stalking that I do uh, on people that come onto this show, I've found you quite competitive. Like you, you know, if you're a twin mm -hmm. and you sort of grew up sort of playing, not trying to talk for you, here, but you grew up playing and doing a lot of sports. And I've heard you mention several times about even when you were hitting the gym, you liked breaking the PB every, yeah. every day. So is that who you are? a competitive person rather than a confident person or traditionally like as in you might have become a confident person yeah I um I kind of like ruin everyone's thought process there because actually when I was growing up and my parents and people always ask them what you know was Amy a competitive child and they're saying no I wasn't but what they will say is that I always wanted to 
do the very best. So um, if I had a task or if I, you know, got given a little job or something, I wanted to do that the very best. And I think for me, being an athlete, I just wanted to be the best athlete every day. I wanted to go to the gym and do the best that I could. I wanted to therefore eat the best foods and fuel my body the best. And all of that, and this is what I learned over the years and before the Olympics, for me to become a more confident athlete, I had to kind of have that tick box every day. I've done this, that, 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 that. I've prepared the very best. And because I know I've done that, therefore that's going to give me the confidence to go out and slide well and go out and be the best athlete. So for me, it was all kind of like linked together and it and it wasn't necessarily that competitive spirit I mean, yes, against other people, but actually it was more this internal thing of just wanting to push myself to to the limits. You sound a little bit, uh, were you a guide or a scout? <laughs> I I actually was a brownie. Yeah, never even a went brownie. to guide. I was, I was, I was a, a brownie. Cub. I was a cub. Yeah, there we but are. <laughs> but that's the thing you sort of say, like when I sort of say, I do my best. That yeah. sounds like that sounds like the kind of thing I used to stand there with the with the three fingers. With the little finger and fingers. And I would up. I'd yeah, be doing yeah. my best. I promise to do my best yeah, exactly. to serve the world exactly. over there and uh, yeah. yeah, that's thing. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps that's the gym speak I've got to give myself every time I go to train now. I'm like, I promise to do my best today. Um so so to come back to that confidence, generally a lot of clients, and obviously you are a personal trainer as well as an Olympian. A lot of clients that we train and, you know, they're not so motivated and they look towards PTs, people like yourself for motivation. So how do you motivate and install drive into your clients or perhaps when you're mentoring people? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a good one. And I think it's a huge thing that always comes up. Um, I mean, I set up my PT business a few years ago. Um, very lucky to have a double garage at home, which I converted into an awesome little gym. Um, and I have some incredible clients. Uh, I mean, average age of my clients is late thirties to mid fifties. Um, so everyone's generally, uh, you know, business people, they've got busy family lives, they've got kids and they, yeah, they run their own businesses. And so for them, there is this motivation thing. How do they fit it all in? They are motivated people because they're very driven in their businesses. You know, they're high end business people. So they have that internal drive. But for them, it's still trying to have someone push them to help them to uh, sort of say the importance of health and wellness and fitness. And for them, they they've all actually got this the same kind of theme in that they want to be fit and strong and healthy now so that when they go into their later lives, they're already in that really good place. So I guess as a PT and as an athlete, as an ex-athlete, a mentor, you want to help people um, sort of evaluate themselves, to, to write down those goals, to really think, well, what is it what you want here? You don't necessarily want to ripple in six pack. You just want to be healthy and strong and to live a wholesome life. Um, and then it's just, you know, putting those little stepping stones in place and me guiding along the way and helping. And then obviously I do shout at them a bit in the gym and, you know, do 10 more, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That a PT. <laughs> No, I don't shout at all. Normally we're giggling and laughing and they're having a good old um chin yeah, Exactly, work. exactly. Um, the... in, in between sets, I don't let them talk whilst they're lifting. I try and be like, no, come on, there's a cut off. You know, you do your thing and then you chat. And I was the same as that as an athlete. When I was sliding on the sled, clearly I wasn't talking to anyone. And then as soon as I get off and I've done my focused bit, okay, now let's chat about whatever. You know, you've got to have the balance. So we talked about this a little bit, the psychology, and that's 
from that, I'm really saying that getting the idea that you like to identify the client's goals, which would feed back a little bit into your past and your book, which I have a copy of here, Ooh, you know, good. Talent to Triumph. Yeah. Yep. Don't worry. I've, I've read it cover to cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> come to come. We'll, come to the, we'll come to that in a bit. But that, and that's perhaps the psychological aspect. But how mm. does an Olympian train regular folk? And what I mean by that is you've personally trained to an ultra high level and perhaps been surrounded by like minded people doing like minded exercises. So, how do you regress the techniques, the programs, and the exercises for the people you just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I know what it was like to be on that world stage and to be a world performing athlete fine you know I've done that I've ticked the box I think kind of almost the the day that I became I've got two boys and the day that I became pregnant with with them I wanted to keep the training up but already you're like okay how do I switch things how do I make this doable for seven eight months pregnant um and yeah I think I I had that knowledge and skill uh I did all my PT courses actually so already you're sort of like switching things changing things I trained when I was pregnant I managed to get you know get back into shape after two giant babies um and I did it in a very sensible non-rushed way in a realistic way that uh, uh, a working mum can do and so I think I can really relate to that normal working parenting space um, and I think yeah what people love about on my Instagram or if they follow me and I put out odd workouts and I think what um, COVID has taught us is you can do a great training session from your living room floor I mean I'm sat right next to a bookshelf and I could pick up two heavy-ish books and we could do a workout with them or you can get your kids rucksack fill it with books and straight away you've got this heavy object that you can lift and move and shift and get your muscles working and I think all of that um you know you're creative you're thinking outside the box and you don't have to have the world's best gym you don't have to have all this fancy equipment you can just look around your house pick up things and use them to still train your body um, and I think for me, the most important thing is just getting those endorphins flowing. When you're having a bad day, you just need 10 minutes of exercise, 10 minutes of walking outside with no phones, looking and breathing in the air, and already you feel better. You feel good about yourself. Um, and I just love sharing that passion to my clients. I love helping younger athletes, mentoring. Yeah, why the reason I, I wrote my book to help those teenage athletes. And I, I just love sharing what I've learned and picked up along the way as an athlete and now also as a, you know, a, a busy working mum. I really like that in the, in the training world, things for uh, people that are pregnant are starting to change. And in the past, perhaps, you know, in the past, people working in paddy fields up till they gave birth. But recently, you know, perhaps we've been wrapped in cotton wool and people are now starting to see that. Uh, let's just say you were doing deadlifts before you can continue to do deadlifts mate no pvs but you can yeah. do these things and then as you really hit the nail on the head about coming back you manage to get back and i always feel that if you're training beforehand you can get back so much quicker and in better shape afterwards was that your experience well, you know, I I um I didn't have easy births. I had a lot, a lot of recovery to go through and still actually suffering now. And um, so I know what it's like. But, 
you know, for me, it was, okay, can I just walk through the house? <laughs> day one, day two, day three. Can I now just walk 100 meters down the road and back? You know, that's the way that I started after giving birth. And so, yeah, I always think, it, and I tell everyone, it takes nine months to grow a baby and expect at least nine months to feel like yourself again afterwards. And for me, 100%, 10 to 12 months is post-birth where I started to feel, huh, I definitely can wear all my old clothes again and I feel really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I tell all women that don't don't ever rush it. And, you know, it's very yeah, it's different for every individual. Yeah. And I think um, and the biggest with everything, the biggest thing is listen to your body. You know what feels good. You know when you could push it a little bit more and you're just cheating on yourself or, you know, actually, this doesn't feel right. And. I don't feel good, so therefore I'm going to stop. And I think it's listening. And if you have got a PT or people around you that can support and help you and to have someone guide you through that, then, um, yeah, always ask for help, always ask for advice. And and it's out there. Definitely it's out there. There's tons of people who know <laughs> just, just finding that right person. Um, we, we mentioned the book, and in the book there's a, a, a theme of note-taking, and I have heard that you took a lot of notes in the past. Um, do you take a lot of notes on your clients? And if so, do you encourage them to take notes as well? And do you think that has a lot of value? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as an athlete, I had my my sort of psychology book, I guess. I didn't write a diary as such. I'm definitely not a diary writer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would have this kind of notebook that every time that we would slide down the skeleton track, we would physically write notes about what we did in each corner, what we, what it felt like. I would sort of add extra things in of how I slept, what my mood was like. Uh, you'd write even what time of the day it was, what temperature the ice was what temperature the air was you know all these different stats and figures and numbers um because we physically wouldn't slide that many times so you had to get all this information to be able to learn to be able to then on race day you know work out the best formulation so definitely that's why I, I did that and yeah my my book um is definitely based on a lot of stuff that I learn in my psychology book and from working with psychologists um, and so, yeah, I mean, when I take on a new PT client, I definitely get them either if they're struggling with nutrition, simple things, write, write, write a nutrition diary for like the next few weeks and we can just see if there's any clues that are popping out or um, same kind of things, just write down their thoughts, their feelings, their goals. What is it? Share with me. Um, I mean, I definitely have folders on my computer with them all and I write down all their training programs and physical stats and numbers of what you lifted six months ago. Let's go and see what you did lift and what you're lifting now. But like I said before, a lot of my clients, they're not into, they don't care about lifting huge weights and PTs. They like to come on in and have something to surprise them. They don't want to do the same thing over and over. They like to have that element of not quite knowing what's going to happen. But for me, behind the scenes, you know, there's a natural progression of what they're doing. And, you know, they're, they're progressing, they're lifting stronger, they're feeling good. Yeah, so it's it's good to always write things down like that. And especially when they come in and they're like, oh, you know, I've put on a, you know, I don't feel good. I've eaten really badly for a few weeks. And, you know, you can look back and say, but look, actually, you're not as bad as you think. You know, these are the stats and the numbers and look how good you are and look what you're doing now to what you did six months ago or 12 months ago. So, yeah, that's a really, really lovely thing to be able to physically write down and to see what's written on on the page. And I can't remember what chapter in my book, actually. Um, I do. I've done quite a lot about like self-talk. And actually, what is it that 
that self-talk is negative, is positive, or if you're telling yourself that you're rubbish today, why? Like, look at the facts and the figures and the numbers, and that can give you the confidence that you generally might not be as bad as you think, and therefore stop saying the bad things to yourself. It's really cool that you do take some notes because I think uh, as trainers, it's about setting a standard and you're still sort of maintaining that standard and people can hopefully listen and hear that that being at a higher level, you still keep that standard. You just don't try and wing it, even though you have a you know a broad range of knowledge to to draw on. There's still mm-hmm. those details and and you know it comes into the book a little bit of accountability for us as well as trainers. Yeah, for sure. I think um, now I'm not a, an athlete. Athlete, you know, I'm quite. I love to just wing it. I do like to float and you know black things, and then underneath it all, I'm like obviously I do plan I prep I you know I do need to do all of those things and particularly being a mum you know you have to like be prepared be ready get everything ready the night before the school bags and the nursery bags and that old athlete in me is always there you know I I prep my clients sessions I get everything ready in the gym so everything's ready and we don't waste that extra five minutes getting all the weights out you know I've done all that before they even walk in so yeah that, that, that kind of old me is is still there <laughs> and I, I love that I love that it reminds me of something Joe DeFranco says where he says I always write my uh sessions in pencil so you know they can be rubbed out and altered but he's still got the paper with them written yeah. and <laughs> yeah. it also reminds me of an, another thing a, a trainer said David Alexander he said about um if you're early you're on time if you're on time you're late and yeah. that comes into that preparation, the details, having everything sort of like set up beforehand. You mentioned that you had a little bit of psychology here and you, you've obviously, I know that you've worked with psychologists before the Olympic Games. So, um, and as you've already alluded to, a PT is sort of like a bit of a therapist and we <laughs> employ psychology to help our clients get where they want to go. You've experienced this at working with a psychology at much higher level than someone like myself. So what did you learn from that experience? And do you bring anything from that experience to your present clients? And I suppose what I'm really asking is, have you got any tips? Oh my, that is like one big, broad question. Um, where do I even start? I mean, yeah, we were, uh, we had a psychologist pretty much in the year building up to Vancouver Olympics. And we had a set amount of hours that we could choose to to use her or not. Um, And I think the big reason for me and why I wanted to use use one was that I I was always dubbed training champion by my coach, that I had broken track records in training times. I put down the best you know, start times are put down the best runs in training. You know, I was always first, second, third when it didn't matter. And then when it came to a race day, I wouldn't do anything differently. I prepared my sled and my equipment in the same way. I did everything the same. I was super consistent and I would just do the same on race day. And yet everyone else would sort of up it. And I would always be like, what? Like, how come they've upped it? How come they've managed to get that tenth of a second quicker and I've just stayed consistent? So I was always dubbed training champion and it was trying to work out with a psychologist, like, why? Why don't I? And I would get so frustrated with myself. Like, I have to win this race. I've won it in training. I've beaten all these girls on this this track. Why aren't I doing it on the race day? And she was the one who sort of shifted it in my head of like, you want to win and you know you can win, but it doesn't mean 
you you have to and it doesn't mean you're going to win and I don't know she just sort of shifted things in my head and I realized that I wasn't really enjoying the race day I loved the training when like I said it was a bit chilled out you chat to your mates next to you I was always sat next to my Aussie friends or the German girls or um one of the Americans and we would chat 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 and then it was your time to go so you'd concentrate put your helmet on do your thing come back be relaxed, have a chat. And on a race day, that never happened. Everyone was silent. No one spoke, no one talked. And, you know, it meant more. Racing, clearly, you, you it meant training is training. Racing is racing. And I think it was just And you're still to trying to do all this banter. Yeah, well, no, because no one talks. I mean, so at the Olympics, I actually, I sat completely in another area of a changing room on another layer. Um, I had my um, physio there that he just chatted chat chat um and I had to create my own bubble and this environment because basically I needed to kind of almost try and fake myself that it was just draining like yeah obviously it's the Olympic race but I just need to create this happy bubble this happy environment where I'm just being consistent doing the same thing chatting my chat and doing what I need to do to find my happy place to find that happy bubble and if I'm in that happy bubble that's when I perform and I think almost if I'm trying to put that into real life and my training clients, it's kind of what makes you happy. Don't go for a 10K jog if you hate jogging. Like there's other ways to like get cardio in or lose weight. If you absolutely hate lifting heavy weights and you absolutely hate doing Romanian deadlifts or squats, you know what? I'm not going to make you do them if you absolutely hate them. You're here to enjoy training and for us to find exercises that you love. You mentioned that happy bubble and, you know, you're, you're sort of reinforcing that now by saying that's what you do with your clients. And you sort of had already alluded to that. And, and maybe that, that, is, that is you and that's a great thing to create an environment that it is a happy bubble, a welcome place where, okay, we're going we're gonna to sweat a bit, but there's some love here too. Oh, 100%. And I think you said earlier, like, your your clients actually become friends. You know, you have a friendship. They rock up once or twice a week, every week for now, like two years. They genuinely become your friend. You know, they pass over their concerns and worries. You sort of turn into this like therapist. Um, you know each other's lives. And yet at the same time, there's this little um, still like this kind of like line between you that I am still your personal trainer and you come here for a service. And, you know, I want you to feel good. I want you to walk out of this gym every time you come feeling better about yourself, feeling like you've worked hard. Clearly some people come in and they're just not feeling it that day. And I'm not going to, you know, make you work super hard. If actually you've got really low energy, we can feel it. I can see it on you. So let's just change that session and let's do something else. Let's do some mobility. Let's do some stretching. Let's do some low level stabilization exercises. And you've still gone away feeling really good at a lower energy level because that's how you came in. And other times you might need to flip it and be like, come on, let's get on the what bike. Let's do some 30 second blasts and then do something else. And and I think that's where the psychology, I, I feel it, I read it off of people. You've got that communication. And to me, that's what it's, what it's all about. And um, that's what I kind of love being a, a personal trainer and that whole side of humans making them feel good about themselves um and I want them to go away and start their day um yeah in, in a really good place 
in that answer, I can really see your uh, knowledge of sports performance coming down where you're making these reads, perhaps like your coach would have once with you. So again, comes back to the idea of it's slightly in pencil if someone's turning mm. up and they're completely buggered. And as you said, I hate the Watt bike, like 30 seconds on the Watt bike is hell. My little <laughs> legs just can't cope with it. I sort of get off and wander sideways once I've done a sprint on one of those bad boys. And um, so, yes, it's about bringing that sports performance mindset into the coaching. It just seems very natural for you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in, in my book, I talk a lot about control the controllables, you know, those, the, the things that you might have the best plan ever. You know, this is my perfect race plan. Oh, it's just dumped it down with snow. Okay, so my perfect race plan can't happen now. What's plan B? Oh, plan B is not going to happen because they've just delayed the start. What's plan C? Um, and I remember even like giving birth. I did not do plan A. I did not do plan B because my child, you know, the baby had a different option. And he went for plan D, I think, in the end. So, you know, even stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to panic because this is the old athlete in me. Um, the perfect plan has not happened so don't stress. I can't control it. I can't control these circumstances. For example, if you're an athlete, the weather, the other athletes, um, you know, your um, equipment, if something oh, maybe no. goes wrong unexpectedly. Oh. But what's all my plans? What have I done to prepare so I'm not flustered? I can take a deep breath and I can start over again and do the next best option. Um, and I think... Definitely as a personal trainer, you have to have that hat on because if someone walks through and says, oh, I've actually slept funny and I can't really move my neck and my shoulder's gone dead. Okay, we're probably not going to do that heavy upper body session, are we? <laughs> you know, and straight away you're changing it. Um, and you've, so, yeah. And you've got the experience, the experience to make those adjustments. And that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing, you know, so, we, you know, like we can make these reads, make these adjustments. And Controlling the controllables, we are presently trying to control perhaps an uncontrollable uh, in the other room. You've got two boys and one's presently asleep and we're trying not to <laughs> Yeah, door uh, is shut, him. he's still asleep. <laughs> um, so we're doing a good job or you're doing a good job at the minute. So how do you balance your clients against being a mum? And do you have any advice for other trainers in a similar circumstance? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, every personal trainer is clearly very different, whether you work in a gym and you've got 50 to 100 people on your books floating in and out, or whether you, like me, have your own private gym and you just go for fewer clients. Um, I only work well, PT three days a week, but I'm very flexible. And I think what I, I love about my clients and me and them, vice versa, we all have very busy lives. We all have children. And yes, they have their set times per week, per whatever day. But sometimes they'll be like, and especially with COVID, you know, I don't feel well, or I can't do it, or I've suddenly got a work meeting. And, I, you know, any chance you can shift that time or, you know, do you mind if I actually come in on Saturday this day because I can't make it? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Actually, I don't mind once in a while. Or you can really switch and change. And equally, if I suddenly have, like the Olympic work that I've just done, I'm like, guys, I'm pretty much away for two weeks now, won't be seeing you. But I have recorded you six one hour sessions on Zoom on cloud that I'm giving you all the login details to. So you've now got six sessions that you can do whenever you want. And I'll be checking up on you, you know, so 
I have a lovely relationship and um, I almost am very open with my clients that actually I might have to cancel on you sometimes. And equally, as long as you don't take the mick, I know you might have to cancel on me and we work it out together and we have this wonderful trusting relationship. Um, and that's where actually, to be fair, you and relationships are the key relationships 100% the key. I just text everyone. Um, they might message me. I might then be able to straight away to say some say to someone else, oh my goodness, I actually have a free opening and you couldn't make your time, but do you want this one instead? Um, and yeah, I mean, that's where a few years ago I found Hapori actually, which is I know, you know, half of some, some of this podcast to talk about. Um, and actually for them, they were this administration tool that you can help and use and, and great for people in the PT business because it does make you more efficient and more productive. And it's almost... You, you could you know have all your clients on it and on this app and and everyone can shift and change and see what times you've got um and that definitely makes life so much easier um as well as if you've got only one or two clients you might just be texting them so whatever works for you whether you've got tons on your books or you know I've definitely um have the smaller amount of clients because it just fits in and around my life and their lives. I'm really glad you mentioned the, the Hapori app because this is the Hapori podcast. So, you know, um, it comes down to like you care. That's that's in what you just said to me, I got the impression that you care. And perhaps um, Hapori is a platform which allows you to care a bit more and show them you care because you can keep, I suppose, the relationship going that we just spoke about. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great app and a great tool for, for your admin. So you've got that bit. Also, you can be putting workouts on there. You can be giving nutrition. You can give log out details to all of your clients to say, hey, come and log on. I've just gone and put some new stuff on there for you. So you can use it as much as you want. It can have those invoices, reminders, or most of the time for me, oh, husband, right? He's the one who prods me. Oi, have they paid? Have they done this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, crap. Uh, you know, so for someone like me who's very um, not driven by money and a bit nearly dilly with all of the admin side, you know, definitely it it helps. But um, yeah, I think um, I think having that trust, the relationship with your clients and for me, communication, you know, with my PT clients now and when I was um, a, an athlete, the communication with your team, with your coaching is so important. And, um, you know, I wanted to give all of my knowledge across and the book that I've written for teenage athletes is giving them all these little tidbits and advice and help. And it's mentoring them. It's kind of saying that these are all the things I did in these different scenarios and, you know, use this for you, whether it's just school sports day or whether it's a big exam. There's these, yeah, control the controllables, all these different techniques and self-talk and, you know, helping with the fear and the barriers and teamwork and all these different things to help you. Of my experiences trying to put into your life, whatever your life might be, a, a, a business person to a yeah, teenager, teenage athlete. So is the book Talent to Triumph, is it what you wish you had known or what you did? Both. Um, it's, I basically, yeah, 12 years ago when I won, I, I always thought in the back of my head, I, I really want to write a book. I, I want to pass on what I've learned. And it never happened. And, you know, another four years went past and another four years. And I was like, oh, I still haven't written that book. And I knew I, I didn't want to do an autobiography. I knew I wanted to do it myself. I didn't want a ghostwriter. 
And I finally just sort of went through my old psychology books and was like, okay, well, this is all about self-talk. This is all about fear. This is all about barriers. This is all about confidence. This is about even transitioning into sports. And so before I knew it, I kind of came up with these 10 different chapters. And so it's got my my flowing story through it from picking skeleton in the first place to final chapter you know be in the olympics and i explain the race but all in between i mean i have over 30 other athletes contributing to it as well and how did you contact them well very luckily you know you become an olympian you're in this like kind of little olympian club whether you're a winter or a summer athlete and so a lot of athletes i've i've met over the years you become friends you've got messages or, or not um someone like jason fox sas you know former um, special yeah. forces i contacted him you know, I'd met him at a few different um, events and um, yeah, just said, hey, do you want to contribute? So um, he gives his advice about not ever thinking too far in advance and actually live in the now and don't stress and panic over something that's a month down the line when you've still got to cope with today. And actually, that's amazing advice for an athlete or a young athlete. Like, just get to the end of the day. Do step to step. Um, I've got people like Rebecca Adlington. So you're multi, you know, Olympian swimmer. What advice does she give of that standing on the start blocks? Or um, she's actually given quite a lot of quotes about working with your coach and how important it is to have that relationship with your coach. Dame Sarah Story, um, Paralympian cyclist of how many medals has she got? 16, 18, can't remember, she added more on, you know, like her advice on, on fear and tackling things. So, so many people along with my own and I, um, I'm super proud of it because I just wanted it to be out there. Um, all of my little tidbits and lessons. Um, I wanted people to be able to draw in the book. I've put lots of PDFs and, you know, drawings and diagrams of things that I physically did that I want you to be able to take it with you, you know, scribble all over this book, write it, you know, like write your thoughts and feelings and scribble away. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's been great and had some amazing reviews and I've been, I've actually got another few school talks to, to give this coming weekend and yeah, it's, it's really exciting to almost know that, okay, this is my little, um, tidbits for you, lessons that I've learned that I really want to pass on and um, share, share with you. I liked that DIY uh, diagrams that I presume you drew yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because, and they sort of looked authentic because because of that. And it's always, it was exactly as you said, almost like you could rip the page out and just or photocopy it and away you go, yeah. you know, or, or write your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that, as you said, that's for teenagers, that book. So what about a sequel? A sequel where you could sort of like take that knowledge for PTs? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've had a lot of business people buy it, um, read it front to back and say, oh my word, like I have used this now in my business. And it's based on, to be fair, when I go and do corporate talks to, to businessmen and women, I mean, I've obviously written it more for the teenage language, simpler, but it's basically what I would say to a big corporate company. It's still the same lessons and advice that, yeah, an Olympian can take into business. Um, but yes, I've obviously advertised it as that teenage athlete. And the same thing into the PTs, like, okay, visualize what you want to do. So um, visualization was a massive thing within Skeleton to be able to shut your eyes and go through the track. If I'm doing a school talk, I'll get all the school kids to shut their eyes and imagine their bedroom and see what it looks like. And I explain that's what visualization is. Okay, well, if you come on into the gym, 
let's visualize you lifting. What do you want it to feel like? What do you want it to look like? I've got mirrors here. So can you see it? Can you see it in your, in your brain? And actually almost saying, well, they've got, let's just say, um, uh, a Zoom call, a, a, a big talk, a big meeting that they have to do that they're a bit anxious and worried about. Well, actually, can we use those same tools? Can you visualize that meeting going the very best? Can you visualize what you want to say and how you're going to sit, how you're going to dress, you know, the confidence that you're going to come out and what you might be doing in the gym, you could do in a business setting and you could also take to a teenager. So you just have to kind of think about it in a different way, you know, think outside the box in a different kind of way. I I hear you, you know, and that, that, as you sort of say, could be interpreted in so, so many ways. Amy, we have a Spotify Hapori playlist. So I would love to know what song you want to add to that playlist. What is your workout go-to song? I've got my pen ready to add you. As soon as we're we're finished, you're on the list. (laughs) When I'm in the gym working out, I literally just ask Alexa, like, play me a workout music you know like that just whatever goes on halfway I'm like oh I don't like this track but um okay if I give you a song I'm going to give you the song that came on when I walked out to get my Olympic medal okay so it was in Vancouver they squidged together different um Olympics you know different medal ceremonies and the song that was on when I walked out from behind the scenes onto the podium was the Black Eyed Peas I've Got a Feeling and so every time I hear that okay. song, I'm like, it's my Olympic song. That's the song that was on. You know, I've got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good night. Like, yeah, it was because I got given my gold medal. So that's, I'll give you that one. And it's actually, it's quite, it could be quite a good workout song. Totally. Because it's implying what's coming as well. So consider that added to the Hapori Spotify playlist. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> if you want any more, just text me. Add any more. Thanks. You can add as many as you want. <laughs> and what about is there a film you always go to perhaps with your family or you need a bit of inspiration any film that springs to mind oh my I'm such a rom-com girl like crikey when I did compete in skeleton it was you know we I had like a little portable dvd player I mean that's what I lived my life on and like every rom-com ever imagine oh I know tell me about it um I mean growing up I think that kind of gutsy um the soundtrack of like chariots of fire you know the running along the beach that real like oh my word I I think that that film really hit me you know the history um and the olympics and what it was like um and the pride that they had to compete for great britain there was something about that film that I mean it gives me shivers you know and that iconic music yeah the music is iconic and it's funny I don't know the film I don't know the film well like obviously I've I've seen it but I can just uh, yeah oh and and I can see them running on the beach and yeah so I I think that's definitely youthful memories of like yeah like the Olympics um I mean, yeah, if you want to, well, it's a sort of rom. I mean, one of my, I've got so many favourite films, so many favourite films, but actually, even if I put my eyes on Give me one more, give me one more. The book, The Horse Whisperer. Um, Yeah, The Horse Whisperer. The Horse Whisperer. Because it's to do with, um, I mean, obviously there's a rom, there's a romanticness within the film and um, whatever, but it's more to do with the relationship of a horse and a girl. Yeah. And I mean, horses are my big passion. I love them. And the psychology between the horse and the girl and horses and humans and understanding each other. And I guess I must have, the psychology elements always been interested within me. Um, 
so yeah actually the horse whisperer you either know the film or you don't film but um it's a good one and you know it <laughs> i've watched it a billion times <laughs> yeah. so before we skedaddle i'm going to ask you one more question and it's the what if question so i think it's pretty amazing that you never won a race 10 years prior to the race that you won and you won the one that mattered. And I've got to add the caveat, you do have a world championship silver medal to that. So it wasn't like it was just out of the blue, but it it says a lot about the confidence, uh, your competitive spirit and perhaps inner belief that, you know, that you achieved what you achieved. But what if, what if it didn't happen? Where would you be? What would have gone on? As in what if it was only a silver or a fourth or I didn't even go? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That that wow. final corner, you know, the, the one that you said that you um you had you were lighter, so you didn't bounce off it so much. Perhaps, you know, you had had that couple of Mars bars. I know you were very disciplined and didn't have many Mars bars. <laughs> but imagine you had or you were just that bit heavier and you had bounced off that corner and boom, yeah. one of the German girls got gold. Um you know what, I, I think, I mean, I told myself at the top of the start line and it was all to do with that preparation, you know, I genuinely, for four years, having missed out on the Turin Olympics, every decision of every day was for me to get to the Olympics, to try and win a medal and to do the very best. So sort of that old cliche, don't have any regrets. You know, for me, actually, yeah, if I did only come second, third or fourth, I I would have known I had given it my absolute all for four years. And I think, I mean, it probably would have made me just kept going more. I mean, I, I took a little time out and I, I did another two years of competing. And then just the pain from injuries and politics and all the rest of it, I was like, right, okay, I'm finished. I'm walking away. But maybe if I had only come fourth or second or third, I don't know, would I have just dug deep, sucked it up for another few years and tried to compete? Um, I guess that the gold made me feel like I don't have to, I've got nothing else to prove. Um, yeah, the kind of waking up in pain every single day just was not worth it anymore. Um, but yeah, maybe I would have kept going. I mean, we'll just never know, will we? <laughs> I didn't really answer your question very well. We will well. never know. That's, that's why it's a what if. No, no, no. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's just that what if moment. You see, there's sometimes things in life where we don't consider, you know, like what, you know, it can't go well for everyone. Luckily, you are a doer. And, I, you know, I like the way that you sort of like sort of implied that that, that you could... I could sort of see in the sort of the way you actually grabbed your hair there. Is there like the competitive spirit was still like there? You know, I know would, I, would I have fought one more time? <laughs> it's because every time I go to Olympics, and obviously we've just had a Winter Olympics, I'm like, oh, could I make a comeback? Like, like I watch the Olympics and I'm like, oh, I'd just love to be able to race again and just like give it my all. And like, you know, when you're like, oh, but obviously I know I just, I'm, my body's broken but you know there's always this thing inside of you that's like how good could I be if I still competed now like would I be all right because you've got all that knowledge now that's the point like you're, you're so much totally older, experienced. You're, wiser, you're more experienced I feel more chilled out like hey maybe I would have this really you know laid back zen about me like ah you know I've done it all so this is all a bonus and maybe that would be enough to suddenly compete really well <laughs> like ah oh, yeah hey if someone pays me like a million pounds to like bring my kids around with me and rock you know tour around the world I probably would make a comeback well I Amy I for one I'm I'm ready for the comeback I'm waiting for it <laughs> 
I look forward to the press release. <laughs> hey, listen, thank you so much for your time. This is the Hapori Podcast. Thank you for being part of the team. Thank you. So that was the awesome Amy Williams. Follow her on Instagram at amyjoywilliams and you can see some of the training she's been doing and follow along. Yes, and she's also a Hapori coach, isn't she? Yeah, she yeah. is. She is. Yeah. She's a brand ambassador and I, I think she's having some input into how Hapori is going forwards, you know, because they want those insights of trainers and they're taking like elite minds, great minds mm -hmm. into that. So what did you think? Well, obviously very, very impressive. Um, I, I liked how she, when you asked her about if you didn't win the gold, that she seemed to have that drive that she would, she'd still be trying it now. I don't, I don't know if she realized yeah. that obviously we could see on the uh, screen, I was a bit delayed, but it, as far as I could see during the whole session, it's the only time she sort of tugged on her hair. Yeah. It's just like, she suddenly just gripped it. And it was like, you can see the competitor, the athlete that, mm. you know, like, Maybe that's an uncomfortable question because mm. like, you know, I don't want to think of life like that way. But uh, it was, I, I liked it, you know, that, that competitive spirit, you know. Mm. And then it's funny, she, after that, she started talking about the comeback. Yes. So yeah, it got those juices flowing. She's got her price already. She's, she's got her million, price. Anybody's got a million quid, they want to get to Amy back up. Yeah. I think she'll do it. So what's your main takeaway from that? Other than you now know what uh, skeleton racing isn't something to do with fancy dress or Halloween. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's not the most well-known sport. As a mm. as a Canadian, I did expect you to know what it that, is, Mike. I'd never heard of it. It's I snowy in Canada. Was, yeah, it is. Well, you know, obviously I'm I'm British and I grew up that, so I, I can remember it. And it is one of those things, the Olympics is a time when people get together and watch things. Now, the, we just had the Olympics on in China, the Winter Olympics, and my dad was came around, it's the only time they've been around, and he was just sat there watching the curling. I don't think he's ever watched mm -hmm. curling in his life, but British people are involved and he picks up the flag and he wants them to do well. Uh, so that's the skeleton race and Amy's story. But what did I really take away is relationships. You know, like I, I liked that thing she mentioned about the bubble as well. She had her bubble in training and I, I really, when she was describing that, I really could see, oh, that's the bubble you were describing earlier with your clients too. So she's taken these things from elite performance and sort of let them trickle down. And the relationship she has with her clients, perhaps they're based on the relationship she had with her coaches. Now, as trainers, not all of us would have that. So that's why it's good to draw on people like Amy, and, and see what they're doing and let that trickle into our training and our teaching. Which I guess leads us nicely to this. Solly's soliloquy. Focus. There's so much noise and clutter around us that it can distract us from our intention. Tune out the noise. Focus on the details. Be mentally present as this will maximize your training. Your focus is vital. So tune out the noise. Be loose and get ready to roll. So that's today's show. The Hapori podcast was presented by me, Rob Solly, and produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast app and tell all your friends about it. You can follow us on at Rob underscore Solly on Instagram, at Hapori Coach, and at Pod People UK. 
and don't forget to download the Hapori catch-up. Mike? And also listen to the Hapori Spotify playlist. Another track bites the dust? Is that, is that right? It is now. <laughs> Another drag added to the playlist. I don't know why I keep trying to bring in these musical well, analogies that just don't work. The, the, the Spotify playlist will, will grow on its own. You know, you don't have to keep shoehorning songs in there, Rob. Okay, okay. I'll leave, well, I'll leave that for now, and I'll leave you for now. So it's bye from me, and bye, bye from me. Okay, over and out. We'll see you next time.